Good evening and welcome to The Pink and Show. My phone's on, that's always a good start, isn't it? Uh, welcome to The Pink and Show number 170, our dedicated Canaries shenanigans, and it is a special one for you tonight. Uh, I'm Michael Bailey, we are live at The Nest, the Community Sports Foundation's hive of activity and continuing project to bring you a fantastic uh, show. This is, of course, a fantastic community hub for the fine city. Uh, we are here to discuss all the big Norwich City issues over the next 45 minutes or so. Apologies for being five or 10 minutes late, but you're probably used to it. Uh, those issues will include beating Bristol City, preparing for Millwall, the current championship picture, and of course for tonight, a lot more about the bigger picture, both at Norwich City Football Club, the Community Sports Foundation, and the Canaries Trust, who have done a brilliant job of helping us put this show together. We will do it all in the company and insight hopefully, of uh, tonight's stellar panel, which is Norwich City's Chief Operating Officer, uh, Ben Kensel, the club's Director of Communications, Joe Ferrari, Canaries Trust Vice Chair, Mandy Thorpe, and Community Sports Foundation Head of Development, Jackie Thornton. Most exciting for me is that I don't have to hold a microphone, so this is very exciting. Uh, everyone, how are we? Jackie, how are you? You're to my left. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, excited to have you here. Welcome to the next. This is the first time I've been here. It's probably been quite a long, long time coming. It's a shame that it's already dark, because it was a lovely view outside, but there we go. Joe, are you well? Yes, we're all good. Yeah, busy, busy, but nice busy. Nice I think it's busy. fair to say, so enjoy it. Yeah. Good man. Ben, thanks for coming. Yeah. Happy? Thanks for being here. No, really happy. Uh, made all the happier for last night's results. Uh, yes. So we're in a good Indeed. place. Yeah, I try not to mock leads too much on this show. I learned oh, really? a few weeks oh, ago. Okay. Uh, I just sort of snigger instead. Mandy, how are you? Not too bad, thank you very much. Thanks Pleasure for being here, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's great. And thanks to the Canadian Trust for helping make uh, tonight not a happen. Right, uh, as always, we are, and again, apologies we are slightly late, but we are live on pinkin.com, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope and YouTube. And over the course of the show, we of course want to hear from you, be it on uh, your views on Pookie Power, King Kenny, fantastic Mr. Farker, uh, your hopes for Millwall and beyond, but especially, of course, your questions for the panel. We've got plenty in advance too, uh, but if there's anything you want to ask, this is a real opportunity to do it, and I will do my best to keep track of all the feeds throughout the next 45 minutes or so. I've even got my laptop to help me out what could possibly go wrong. All you need to do is get your words through uh, here to us at The Nest. Uh, just post them below the live feeds on either the Pink and Facebook page, the YouTube chat box, or a reply on the Pink and Twitter and Periscope streams, and I'll do my best to keep track of them. Uh, now, we have given Wesley Moulahan uh, the night off. Uh, Diane from uh, the Norwich City Fan Social Club was quite disappointed about that, mm. but I'm sorry about that, Diane. Um, but of course, we have still got Onel Hornandez, and in a rare opportunity, it's under my control for this week's Norwich City headlines. Rocking Robins. Well done, keeping a straight face, everyone. <laughs> Saturday, uh, special Saturday, bedecked in the sun, sees Norwich City hold off Bristol City and leave Carrow Road believing this really could be on. <coughs> Embattled Bielsa. Marcelo adamant leads aren't losing their way as those lovable Yorkshireites lose their game in hand at faltering QPR. Shame. <coughs> King Kenny. McLean nabs a first city brace and vows Farker's men will only enjoy the promotion ride. Good, good. We certainly are. And finally, <coughs> Marco's car wash. Steeperman turns a fine into washing Farker's car thanks to a bit of light dressing room relief shared by Tim Krull on social media. I was going to mention the Ipswich Norwich FA finds here instead, but like Farker, I think we're all a bit bored of that now. Don't worry, we'll include the bottom of the table in our roundup later. And there we go. So a special show, but we do uh, want to start in the usual place, which is, of course, uh, talking about the action on the pitch. It's been a pretty good week. Uh, ben, I'm going to come to you first. It's um, Bristol City was excellent, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from from my perspective, I'd, I'd just like to start. I thought the atmosphere was excellent to begin with. Um, that gives us a fantastic opportunity on, on and off the pitch to sort of almost spur the boys on, doesn't it? When they come out and you've got that kind of atmosphere um, around the ground, I might add and uh, credit to the fans, credit to the fan groups, the movement that's happened. I think the fan march at Ipswich has almost followed on from that into Bristol City and uh, the lads didn't disappoint on the pitch either. It's it, quite a game. It keeps getting better and better. We've all been going for years, I'm sure. And I used to sit in the Barclays stand and I can't remember really ever being like this, Joe, even when you know things have been good, which they are now, of course, but just the flags, the sight, the... 
Yes, yeah, certainly visually, I don't think it's ever been like this. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't remember seeing, uh, maybe the closest we've come is in the era when the inflatable canaries were all yeah. the rage <laughs> and uh, I seem to remember there was a couple of FA Cup games where several thousands of those appeared. But, but it's really, really impressive visually, which is, which is great to see. And I think that prompts people to sing more, to get out there. They see it you know, at one end of the ground and think, yeah, I want to be part of that. Um, and certainly in terms of noise levels, which really also helps the lads on the pitch, it's making a big difference and it does help the lads, you know, it's one of those cliches, but you know, it definitely makes a difference. And even if it's only a percentage point difference to the good, then it's worth doing, so it's great. And I, I had people sitting in the other end of the ground and joining in, in the river end. And we used to mock the river end because it was always quiet. I am a river ender. Oh, so, <laughs> well, I was. Well, you was, yeah, I yeah, wasn't we sure we were going to touch that. The atmosphere is all across the ground. Yeah, the it's amazing. And, it's, and I think from our end and other ends of the ground, just seeing it and seeing that visibility and hoping it will maybe come round to us. And you start to see more people standing up, more people singing in our end, which is traditionally a quieter end, but we're all embracing it. And I think that's a really good message. And I think what they've done, the club and the, the fans groups together, um, and as Joe just mentioned, marginal gains and it can be literally percentage difference but that is all I think really a key um, thing from this season is that we're all kind of in it together literally we're all trying to do the same thing get the same results and we're all working to the same goal which is great exactly and it would be great if the uh, atmosphere um, and what's been created carries on regardless if it's something that's really ingrained in the club from here on in yeah I think I think that it's been orchestrated by the fans and, and, and not something that we've created and thought oh let's put a a group together and let's have a focus group how do we improve actually they've gone out and done this and they've they've got everyone behind it and the club have supported it brilliantly um i think when you look at leicester and when they won the league we spoke to people at leicester and they're saying the the togetherness of that whole club and you could see it in the stadium but even with their community scheme mm. or their fans and their staff they were just together and when you work together you you make unbelievable things happen and that spurs us on to think actually that that's the environment that we're creating at the football club to make things absolutely brilliant for this season absolutely um and in terms of the performance on the pitch as well we should touch on that i mean it was a really tough game wasn't it bristol city were a very good side i know they lost in, in midweek but um you know norwich had to dig in a lot didn't they coming twice from behind and you can see on the pitch i mean you know obviously form book is one thing but in terms of how they played in the period leading up to and including when they when they went ahead twice, um, now that's a good sign. Um, they've done a great job. Actually, they turned it around a bit this season. So they they were falling away earlier in the season. It was a tough game for the lads actually, and um, you know people tend to think well, all the tough games are against the bigger names uh, competing at the top of the division. But Bristol have been coming strong in recent weeks. So fair play to the guys. They had to really dig deep for that one, as they have done so many times this year, and they did it again. You know, which is. You, know, you run out of superlatives, but it was a really good performance to beat Bristol City. Yeah. I mean, let's let's also make the point: we are a really entertaining team at the moment. Mm. We're scoring a lot of goals, okay. And even for a neutral, and I know you know we, we there aren't many at Carrow Road. There, there, it's a partisan sort of uh, support, which is fantastic. But you know, we're scoring on average, you know, sort of three goals. I think it is, um, you know, especially over the course of so many games. Um, that's, that's real entertainment at Carrow Road when you think about it. So um, long may that continue. And uh, people kind of almost want a routine win. I, I think actually from my perspective... For journalists, definitely, because that's, that's, that's an easier job but, during the night. But minutes. there's something about that character that comes through every single time. And I think that can't... That footballing ability is undoubted, but that character comes through. And sometimes you don't see that in teams. We've got that in abundance. So. I think there was a club tweet that went up on, on Saturday from uh, the games at home since November. Norwich had scored 27 goals. And I helpfully pointed out the equivalent fixtures from last year. Um, Norwich scored six. And three of them were goalless. But, you know, that's the light and shade. Um, a quick question, actually, from Tim Lacey on YouTube. Hello, Tim. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, what the fans groups have done to increase the atmosphere at Carrow this season has been fantastic. What has the club itself contributed towards increasing that match day atmosphere? Well, I think, I think the key for me was that it needed to be organic. It needed to be led by the fan groups. What we've done is supported. And I think the scheme around uh, contributing or donating back a pound from the uh, scarves and programmes was a good example of us doing something for the clubs on behalf of generating fan atmosphere uh, and also a bit of engagement there at the same time. Uh, the fan march, I personally went up there and, and really enjoyed marching. 
uh, as did Tom Smith as well. Uh, Grant Holt got involved. Mm. He's a club ambassador from us. And it's just a real feel-good atmosphere. But I don't, I don't think we lead on that. I don't think it's the club's um, way of, of, of sort of artificially creating atmosphere. For me, it needs to be led organically by the fans and we support it as a club. And I think we've done that well to date. What we don't want to do is get too involved. It's got to come from them and, yeah. and we, we need to support and facilitate that as best as we can. So. And fair play to uh, Barclay and Norwich, isn't it? And a long come Norwich who, boys and girls, what a fantastic effort. I yeah, think yeah, every yeah, Norwich yeah. fan appreciates yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, just a reminder, from, uh, get your questions in for the entire panel. They are all here for the next 40 minutes or so, depending how long we keep them under duress, of course. Now we started, they can't leave. Um, uh, but Ben, I did want to start with you, just a, a, a few things. Um, in terms of the exec committee, it was a big, big change, wasn't it, in terms of earlier in the season. Uh, yourself as Chief Operating Officer, Zoe Ward as Projects and Business Director. My yeah. mum got that wrong. And, of course, Joe Weber, continuing as Sporting Director. But, you, but you, you three are doing something quite... It's kind of unique, isn't it, compared to other clubs in terms of this sort of collective um, running of the club day to day? Yeah, it's, it's, it is different. It's unique. Um, it doesn't feel that different to us because we work incredibly collaboratively. Um, I've always said, I don't think it's about three people. I think it's about almost 300 people that work at the club. Um, and I believe that there is almost a, a way of working that is incredibly collaborative now. That means that I don't think it's about three people that lead the, lead the business or lead the football side or, or work on culture. I think what we're trying to do is create a bit of a movement, give some strategic direction, uh, it's a very can-do approach at the club internally and I think staff have really got behind all three of us and uh, almost we want to pull together and achieve something quite special. But let, let's, be, let's be completely honest here, um, winning on the pitch helps but the work that we've done off the pitch at the same time has really helped provide that foundation and platform for us to be successful on the pitch. So um, we're pleased to date, we can do more. I think everyone at the club is eager to continue the progress that we've made. Um, but as a, as a strategic sort of three, we'll say, um, I think it's about communication. We've got different skill sets that marries together well. Uh, we have good communication and we meet with the board regularly to ensure that they're comfortable with the path that we're on. Um, but in terms of day to day, it's quite business as usual. I, I know what my responsibilities are at Carroll Road and running that area of the business. Uh, Stuart at Colney um, on the footballing side with Daniel. And then Zoe being that conduit between the two, that glue. Um, you must still have to have a pretty good relationship then to make, to make that work. Yeah, um, but an honest one is what I would say. It's, okay. um, it needs to be honest. And, uh, you know, we, we don't always agree with each other. I think that's healthy. Um, so what happens then? <laughs> do you have to happens? take a vote? Or no, 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 no. I mean, I think, I think <coughs> naturally what you do is you each give your opinion as to why you believe something should either be that way or not, as the case may be. And I think ultimately collaboratively you get to the right answer and uh, what we've always said is we've said whatever happens behind closed doors we'll come out and we'll be unified together um, and we'll be stronger together as a result of that and I, I don't think you can um, you can have one person that sort of makes a decision when you have a triumvirate at the top of an organisation I think you you can't have a 2v1 um, it's got to be actually you you come out of that discussion or you come to that decision all of you in agreement and, and that got, takes a little bit longer sometimes. Yeah. It's got to thresh it out, I suppose, yeah. it? indeed. Um, I mean, commercially, this must be quite a dream time as well to be involved in a football club, I'd yeah. imagine. Isn't yeah. Everyone yeah. wants a piece of it, no, like us. Well, no, no, I mean, look, commercially, we're doing well at the club. Um, but if, if I'm honest, it, go, it does go hand in hand with the football. But you've, you've also got to... There's a, I mean, I, I can't reiterate enough. There's so many people involved in the football club. Um, whether it be commercially, operationally, um, from a retail perspective. We've got so many different facets that make up the overall commercial turnover that I can't say, oh, we're doing fantastically well on ticketing, we're doing fantastically well on reading. Mm -hmm. They're all contributing and working such long hours to ensure that we, we make every single sort of um, element work and therefore be as successful as we can. But yeah, it makes it easier winning on the pitch. Um, but I'd like to think that we would have probably made steps forward even if we weren't top of the league as we are currently. Um, and what we've done, we've also moved things on operationally as well. What we're trying to do is improve the club in all areas. Um, our communication with fans, our transparency, our, our sort of openness to be more visible as well. I think it doesn't just, it's not about just making money or, 
or winning on the football pitch. It's, we're a club, we're a community club. We've got to engage with our fans in a better way. And we're, we're working across all of them different ways to try and make that better. Brilliant. Um, oh, go on, Jackie. From a com- community perspective, I think we've, we've probably never been stronger together than we are right now um, since Ben and the team have even come in. Um, you know, we, we work so much closer, um, try and look at how we can help each other and support each other, whether it's for commercial, whether it's about ticket sales or anything that we can do together, whether it's fan zone, engaging with the fans, all those things, we are better when we're together. And, and uh, Ben's made that happen and Zoe and uh, the academy work closely with, with our football team as well. So we have those progression routes for, for young players, um, which is really important as well as everything that, that happens at the club. Yeah, there's certainly a sense of the, the cultural change that's been going on in the club, most definitely. Um, ben, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Obviously, keep your questions coming in. We are now live on YouTube. I don't think we were a moment ago, so I apologise for that, but we are back on there. Um, and I wanted to ask you these, because you know, having uh, official Norwich spokespeople here is always handy um, in terms of what's happened recently. Um, Leeds and the Spygate situation. I know that that was obviously um, something that um, Stuart Webber had said a few bits and pieces on the record. Sure. Um, in terms of the result and the fact it's all done and dusted, the club's view on that? Um, okay, the club's view, um, and what I want to do is, believe it or not, speak on behalf of the club because I think everyone has different, different opinions on this. Um, for, for me, the whole situation with Leeds, uh, from my perspective, was... Um, effectively unfair they had an unfair advantage that isn't in keeping with the spirit of the game and i think that i agree with entirely i think the fine and uh, and um, and the repercussions of that ultimately it's been and gone and i would say we move on from that um gaining an unfair or gaining an unfair advantage for me isn't in the spirit of the game but actually we talk about marginal gains in different ways from our perspective um what's at stake is three points they are massively, massively valuable. So whilst I don't endorse it, because I don't, I don't think it's in keeping with the game, I can understand how a club would look to bend the rules as much as they possibly could. But um, it wasn't in keeping with the game uh, and in the spirit of the game, and therefore they've been fined accordingly. I wouldn't say appropriately, in my opinion. I would okay. say accordingly. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm sure they've had uh, advantages over clubs. What I would say is they didn't have advantages over us. And we... we, we we were made aware of that. So, so, so from that perspective, um, we're, we, were, we were given the report back and the report suggested that there wasn't necessarily an, an unfair advantage over us. Um, there is also an EFL meeting that I'm going to tomorrow in Derby. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I'm sure that will be brought up there. Well, because they have suggested that they'll now, you know, tweak the rules or bring in new rules. Yeah. To get, but I guess it's hard, isn't it? Do you just counter people breaking into training grounds or do you have to expand the rules or it's, it's a tricky one well we talk about um breaking into training grounds and uh you know trying to get in there um on some of the circumstances from what we're led to believe they didn't even break in it was a case that they stood outside of the boundary and simply took notes or or viewed from there um and i think i think what they what they've been is found out and they've had to divulge a lot of the information that they had. I think uh, on the footballing side, and I won't want to speak on their behalf, but I think what Bielsa then did in his PowerPoint around, look at how revolutionary I, I am, or we are at Leeds, of, of sort of doing X, Y and Z. I think a lot of people in the game, um, much more educated than me on the footballing side, would say that that wasn't revolutionary. It wasn't sort of cutting edge. It was what a lot of, a lot of sort of, um, you know, analysts or, or coaches are, are doing in terms of studying the opposition, it happens every day. Um, but um, in terms of gaining an unfair advantage, they've admitted to that and therefore they will take their sanction and they've moved on from it. We'll move on. No more excuses in the promotion race. Brilliant. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about is um, probably the, the key pertinent issue um, away from what's actually happening on the pitch, which is Daniel Farker's contract. Right. Um, and I appreciate, you know, I'd be asking Stuart Webber this if he was sat in yeah, front yeah, of me, of but uh, as you all work collect- collectively together, I'm sure you're well aware on it. I mean, everyone's so relaxed about it. If it was a player or in any other situation, you can imagine people being on edge, but it must be the one bit of business everyone wants to tie up as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, everyone is relaxed. That's the truth about it. I know it sounds a bit, a bit cliche, but the, um, Daniel is very relaxed. Uh, you've got to remember, we're, a bit of a, we're quite a unit here, quite a family. So it's not, it's not a... It's not a pressure point, I think, for, for Daniel, for Stuart, for me, for Zoe, for anyone at the club. 
I think it's got to be right. And when that when that moment happens, and when Daniel's comfortable, Stuart's comfortable, all parties are comfortable, then I think you know an announcement will be made. It's it's almost a case of it's got to be right for all parties. But everyone's quite relaxed about that. And the reason they're relaxed is because, quite frankly, we've got a really important game on Saturday. Then there's another. There's really always always game. one every Saturday. And I think and I think when you think about the days in between them games, guess what? That that then periods in between games are really important when it comes to sort of um, whether it be, you know, analysing the next opponent or whether it be reviewing the last performance. There isn't always time in the diary to say, do you know what, perhaps we should sit down and discuss your future. Because the future is is always being discussed around, right, what are we doing in the summer? Are we, uh, what plans are we making? It's not it's not a case of someone just sits down and says, right, should we, should we do this now? We... It, it's it's over a period of time, and I think, you know, it's there's nothing to worry about, and this is what we keep on trying to say <laughs> to people is that um, it will happen in, in good time, I'm sure, um, but it's 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 got to be it's got to be done on the right terms. Because it, I mean, if I was to be honest, that makes it sound to be like it's a case of when rather than if. That's what you said. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but well, for, for all parties, I think it is that case. We, we, you know, obviously, we we would want that wrapped up as soon as possible. Why wouldn't you? Um, but uh, but it's it is definitely Stuart's area. Um, it's something that Zoe and myself are across, obviously, um, and the border across as well. So it's it's being it's being discussed just as much as it is on the forums and amongst the terraces and things like that. So. Have to spy on Carrow Road, Ben. Well done. <laughs> Our top stuff. Let's uh, we'll open it up. But for now, uh, you may uh, know the Bowles family on social media, who have taken their love for Norwich City here, there, and everywhere, including their new puppy, of course, oh, uh, Temu. Should be Temu Pucci, I thought. But there we go. And um, and now at Norwich Market, and all for the benefit of the CSF. I'm Sharon Bowles, uh, mother of Jacob Bowles. <laughs> I'm Andy Bowles of Jacob Bowles. And this is Team of the Dog. We just sleep. This week we're going to sell programmes and give away Norwich shirts to raise money for the CSF. And we're trying to raise money for Community Sports Foundation. Um, as part, we're in the uh, Canary Ball Rally later in the year in October. So we've been set a challenge to raise money for that. So all money we raise by selling programmes, shirts, um, various stickers. stickers, various other Norwich related stuff, um, yeah. all goes to the Community Sports Foundation. So Jacob's had a lot of support and help from the Community Sports Foundation over the years. And uh, okay. a lot of the stuff we're selling is Jacob's own stuff. He just wants to sell it to raise money, to put something back after all the help they gave. It's really helped the CSF, which is very inspiring. It really helps my confidence. It makes my life more happier. I mean, that's part of what we're doing, is selling stuff for the CSF. The other part is actually to give Jacob an opportunity to talk yeah. football with people and help him with his social skills as well. So it's uh, it's it's really you know, twofold, really, I guess. On the Storm City, we're here at Norwich Market, opposite the Saganet pub. And we're here um, today, Monday, we're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So four days, it's pop-up stalls. So we're just trying it out for four days. We're here from 11 till 4. Um, Monday to Thursday. And uh, tomorrow, that's Thursday, is the last day of On The Stall City, open from 11am um, to 4pm at Store 12 at Norwich Market. Uh, so make sure you bring some money with you. Uh, Jackie, fantastic idea what they're doing, isn't it? And they are raising money for, for the CSF, so all um, good. Jacob is, is such a great young lad. He's uh, been involved in our programme for a number of years and um, he wants to give back, which is brilliant. Um, so we're really, really pleased. I hope everyone will go and support him because uh, it's not just about raising money. This is all about his confidence and, and you know lots of other life skills that he'll gain from this. So... Uh, we hope that we might be able to do it again somewhere else, maybe. Absolutely, why not? And we'll flag it up, most definitely. Mm. Um, so the CSF, I mean, in terms of the journey that you guys have been on, I mean, we've now got this amazing facility, but how much of this journey have you seen from when it all started off? I mean, in terms of the CSF itself, because it's been huge, isn't it? Yeah, so I've been 20 years now. So when we, when we first began the, the sort of journey of football in the community back in the days, there was two... Uh, 
Jamie Houchin and Pete Mendham and all those people and you know their passion started the program and uh, did a fantastic job and and now it it has grown and we've diversified not just being about um, just soccer schools um, our provision is extended we, we're reaching more people uh, and making such a difference in so many different areas things that you perhaps wouldn't have expected us you know, 15 years ago to be working on so supporting with mental health and cancer and uh, disadvantaged groups, people, so many people with disabilities. Um, you know, we've got a brilliant team of staff that works so hard to make a difference, and uh, the nest is, is one of those next steps. So we're, you know, we're really proud of what we've done together. Um, but it's we... a phenomenal place, isn't it? We did, phase one's done. Mm. Phase two is sort of that's basically what the big um, fundraising boost uh, little bid is now isn't it it's yeah a huge so we, we we built phase one and it's it's you know really active last week half term we had about a thousand people up here thousand young people people with disabilities a whole range of different um groups using the site for lots of different things um and we want that to grow and we know what phase two can bring and the benefits that that can give the local community so we, we are really passionate this is really it's a difficult challenge for us it's scary every day when you think, this is big, we've put it out there, this is what we believe in, that we're going to do. So now we've got to deliver it. And we have to work really hard to make that happen. And, and that's from, from businesses, from large funders, from people like Jacob who are raising all of those funds. Canaries Trust, Min Mandy jumping in the sea on Boxing Day. Well, that I didn't Mandy, jump. I no. did not jump in. Intensively... Well, I kind of fell in in the end, so I kind of had no choice but to go under. But um, yeah, but wow. chilly. All of those things just make you know every pound, every every penny will really make a difference. And we've got to add all of those up to build this fantastic facility um, that we can all be really proud of as as a city and a county because it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, sure. And it, it, I guess that makes it a long term project, doesn't it? I mean, this isn't something where next year it's like, well, we've raised our money, away we go. I'm sure you take that, obviously. But you know, this is this is going to take. Some time, isn't it? And a lot of events. <laughs> it is, and, and lots of it is reliant on some very large pots of funding. Um, so if we get that large pot of funding um, in the next sort of month, things will progress really quickly. If a funder says, actually, it's really competitive and we haven't received that amount of money, we'll then have to reassess it and say, right, well, actually, do we have to do this slower? Will it take us longer? But we will find a solution for it and we'll make, whether it takes a bit longer, it might do, but we will get there in the end. There are loads of events coming up. I'm really looking forward to, forward to the karting challenge, which uh, those yeah. last year may remember I still got to go, even though my second child was born two days earlier. <laughs> Thank you to my wife. I still owe her for that one. Um, and how can people find out about all these? I guess all on the website. Yeah, go to the Community Sports Foundation website and there's an events page on there for fundraising. We've done fantastic so far. The support we've got, you can see the momentum of people buying into obviously what we're trying to achieve because... We're not only trying to achieve the nest, but we're also trying to achieve all of our revenue pots of money to, mm. to keep all of our activities going as well. So we're doubling that challenge. Um, so everybody who takes part in, whether it's night golf, the Canary Ball Challenge, you know, the Canary Ball Rally, Three Peaks, Coastal Challenge, all of those things, um, there's some really brilliant events that the team, Emma and the rest of the team, are absolutely brilliant at. And... Um, They've been selling out, so getting quick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Any of you other guys been roped into any of these? Well, you obviously did the, the dip at Boxing I did the dip. Day. I've, done, I've done the Run Norwich every year, but I can't this year run it because I'm injured. So That's I'm going to volunteer. I'm, I'm going to be running. there on the... I'm running. Oh, I'll so is my give wife. Big, I'll give you a big, big shout there. then. We'll get yeah, you on the medals. Can I do medals? Maybe. I'm going to hold you to that, Jackie. Thank Joe? you. No, but... On the buzz of city, I think I can oh, just about yeah. manage. Oh, so uh, I think, yeah, well, I can just sit there and answer mm. questions. Argent teams won that in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, Ben, you're ben. Yeah, no, you run, running, Ben? Yeah, run Norwich this Excellent. year. And, uh, and, and I'm considering three peaks. Mm. Tough. Because I fancy another challenge in my life. Tough. So why, <laughs> why not? It's amazing. Providing <laughs> it's not really snowy on top of Ben Nevis. Let's get some questions, shall we, uh, on the Facebook. Keep them all coming in and we'll get some of them in. Uh, Matthew Hansel. I think the main difference this season is that the players that have come in to cover injuries have done a great job, which is a fair shout. Uh, Lisa Jack. When is the upper tier going to be put on the south stand? 
And I think someone else actually asked that on YouTube as well, if I remember, Canaries, Canaries, so good to name him twice, or her, is the Gerald Sand going to be made higher? And actually, um, on that point, let's get them all done in the same go, shall we? Um, Kevin Wilson sent an email, irrespective of whether we achieve promotion or not this season, the product on offer deserves a greater ground capacity to something like above 30,000. Are there plans to build above the old main stand, so I guess the city stand, something like Aston Villa did some years ago? What's going to happen with the ground? Well, I mean, I think, I think firstly, um, those of, that well, fans may be aware that we've, we've changed our, our, or we've got planning um, and permissions to extend our licence um, sort of footprint. So we wanted to do more events outside of football is what I'd say. So from my perspective, concerts, uh, any kind of screenings and stuff like that, what we don't want to be is just a football club um, with a stadium that's, that operates 25 times a year. So I think that's important. That so you can basically do those in the car park and things like fantastic. that. Fantastic, yeah. But, but, but anything that we do consider has to be for, you know, not just 25 games a year. It has to be right for several, several large-scale large, large scale events so we can look to commercialise the venue outside of them 25 days. I think uh, in terms of which stand would we look at extending, obviously it would be the, the city stand first. It wouldn't be the south stand. I think that's fit for purpose in my opinion um, and I think the majority of people at the club would say that that's a fit for purpose stand um, I think I think speaking honestly um, with our financial position um, we would need to have a sustained period of time in the Premier League uh, before we could commit to actually making movements and actually calling out dates around right this is when we're going to put a, a sort of almost fork in the ground and start to change the city stand look and feel but there has to be ambition and we have to think big at the club and there has to be a strategic view over three five ten years that says we are going to grow this club um, and it needs to be fit for purpose um, and we believe that we can sustain uh, a thirty thousand plus stadium it's got to be done and what we can't do is put the club into the sort of financial position it's been in previously and as a custodian and as someone that, that is responsible for that area, um, I'm not going to I'm not going to make that commitment to say, look, by 2022 we're going to be in a position where where we're reviewing that. What I'm going to say is that there has to be ambition and a view that we look at that moving forward. So um, there has to be a Carrow Road master plan. Is what I would say, and I think that's where we should start for the time being. It's definitely a perennial question, isn't it, Joe? I imagine every time you put Ben or whoever up in front of anyone. Ground, ground tends to come up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think we were answering questions about this at road shows in 2001. So, um, <laughs> oh, they look, built the South Stand, that's yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I, I think it's it's good, it's a good question to receive. Uh, the ambition of the fans, the desire of them to see Cow Road, you know, our famous and lovely home, grow and change and, and become and continue to be a, a, a stadium fit for the 21st century is. Is absolutely right, and Ben's spot on when he says it's an ambition that underpins the board, the executive, everyone who works at the club. But it's got to be done right. It costs millions of pounds to build a stand of the kind that people are are keen for us to build to expand the capacity to that extent. The, the expansion of the capacity means you have extra parking considerations and pressures. You'd have to work with the local authorities about the road network around the stadium. It's not just a case of saying we want it. Let's push a button and make it happen. And then, of course, I believe financially you would probably need a, a few seasons, season, more than one season in the Premier League. And I think um, Stuart has rightly alluded in the past, maybe last time when we had a three-year spell in the Premier League, you can debate whether in that third year it might have sort of edged a bit closer to becoming a reality. Um, but certainly not even being in the Premier League at the moment, talking about the kind of monies you need to build a stand. In the absence of new money coming in from somewhere else, I think you need probably a year or two of stability in the Premier League to, to really look it's at it. It's so hard in the Premier League, isn't it? Because however long you're in it, you're never guaranteed to be in it the following season, which is just a nightmare. Well, the sums of money are never quite... Of course, everyone says, oh, £100 million are going to the Premier League. You know, these figures are plucked out of thin air and they come in phases anyway, so you don't get all the money the minute you're promoted. Here's a cheque for £100 million, off you go. And, of course, for everyone saying build a new stand, there'll be people saying sign players, you know, so that's always a challenge. Yeah. And, of course, we're not there yet. So, um, uh, just get that one in. Um, just another point, uh, Lawn NCFC Smybert. Thanks for getting in touch as always, Lauren. Much appreciated. Uh, what do you think of the new wrestling oh, movie? I think it is. Has anyone seen the new wrestling movie? Uh, and do you think this will put Norwich more in the minds of the world? Of course, uh, tagging into Fightmare. Yeah. 
which is probably one of the one of yours. It, <laughs> a it's one of Grant's. One of Grant's. So it does factor into here, which was what I was going to ask you. We've also got take that coming. We've got the wrestling, um, and we will rock you. Is happening, isn't it, at the club? So, um, and I, I think um, people are interested. What? Who's the next big act that's going to come to Carrow Road? And yeah. Radiohead can get them in. Well, it was. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the list. Um, <laughs> it, um, it's really interesting because I was I was at the council city council offices today, and they were talking about the impact of uh, events outside of football. That that um, by us bringing uh, these sort of events in, uh, what impact that has on them in the city, in hotels and restaurants, and just the general boom in, in, in the local economy. And I think that we have a duty to do that. Um, I'm, I'm pleased since I've come to the club uh, that I've been able to bring some, some really significant acts in. But um, it's got to be part of our commercial sort of journey and strategy that we go on. Um, all of these events are all, are all strategic. They're not just, oh yeah, we'll do that. It's all about sort of growing our brand and growing it at the stadium to ensure that we can actually commercialise it in a different sort of way. What I would say is I love how diverse some of them are though. Because um, I don't know many football clubs, and I think we should be proud of this, that would look at an opportunity like having a, a concert here and then literally two days later, or three days it might be actually, having a wrestling game <laughs> with, uh, with, I think it was Mankind, the wrestler Mankind, who, uh, who is Mick Foley. Um, see, I'm a, I've, been, I've been researching. Oh, um, who was a WWE star. So, you know, for that crowd and that audience and people that love wrestling, this is going to be a big event. And we have a, almost a personal ambition to to have the largest sort of stadium wrestling event in the UK, which outside of the States would be, would be really impressive um, um, for it not to be WWE led. And I think all these things are about setting a bit of a benchmark that we can then move on and, and grow to. So, you know, we've got the Rugby World Cup coming up. You know, I'd love to be in a position where we could have the type of fan parks um, that you saw at the World Cup football. Um, you know, in our car parks. And I'm not saying we'll do these things. I'm saying the sky's the limit. We should work on all of these opportunities and then almost be a bit of an entertainment stroke community hub um, for anyone in Norfolk to think, well, wait a minute, we could go there. We could congregate. We could be together at a major sporting event or at a large event. And take that's going to be fun in the summer because it's almost a return. It is. It's the re reunion with Norwich. Are you, have you got your tickets? Absolutely. Oh. I'm a bit of a take that fan. Okay. And so is in. So, yeah. Very much looking forward to oh, that. Oh, there you go. So, thank you, Ben. Are you going to get some tickets? Are you? Is that going to happen? Uh, no, no, I've already bought my tickets. <laughs> well done. I think it was on the TNC podcast with Grant Holly. He said that the record is five thousand for a European wrestling yeah, bout or something. Yeah, I think it's it's yeah, it's uh, less in uh, in England. I know that much, but. Um, yeah, no, Grant's taking it really seriously. He's a top, top man. Um, got a lot of time for Grant. He's a great ambassador of the football club. But he, uh, he's definitely taking wrestling seriously. <laughs> he wants to win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. I don't know how you make that happen in wrestling. Yeah. Go, Grant. Make it happen. Uh, so, uh, keep your questions coming in. I know we're really short of time, but keep them coming in. We'll do our best. Uh, no Flip the Bird this week. I'll spare Joe Ferrari that one. Uh, and likewise, our Norwich City Notice Board. But, um, as always, let's bring you the, how the championship land lies, shall we? Especially after uh, this week's catch-up games. The weekend was pretty routine for most clubs, while 10-man Ipswich conceded a late equaliser at Wigan. Brentford went goals happy and Leeds, Bolton and Phil Parkinson have all been charged by the FA for their touchline antics and water spraying. Sheffield United were the big winners with that victory at West Brom. Then in midweek, it was a round of games in hand with Millwall preparing for Norwich with their defeat at Hull while Bristol City paid for their Carrow Road exertions and QPR found the perfect time to end their seven-game losing streak with victory over Leeds. So, Aston Villa are back in 13th, making it, you might want to close your ears for this bit, nine of City's remaining 12 opponents in the bottom half of the table, 11 victories and they are guaranteed promotion. Uh, the bottom four still have work to do to get anyone else involved in the survival scrap. Uh, the top four have now all played the same number of games, with Borough still hoping to gatecrash the automatic promotion race. Steve Bruce's Sheffield Wednesday will be hoping they can do likewise with the playoff race. Preston are into the top ten. And again, it's a busy week, starting with a corker on Friday. Draw anyone? Uh, Ipswich have a crucial clash with relegation rivals Reading wonder what reception Nelson Oliveira will get. And once Norwich have played at the Den, it will be all eyes on Sheffield come Monday night. Fancy kicking off a derby at a time that's not midday on a Sunday. There we go. 
Uh, probably the wrong time to ask Ben, given we never know when we'll have another derby. Uh, we'll see how things <laughs> pan out. But could the next one be on a time that's not Sunday lunchtime? Yeah, I mean, I'd, well, I, I can't say that for certain, but I'd like mm. to, I'd certainly like to challenge it from from my perspective. Um, now being in the position that I'm in, I think uh, we've got to we've got to always put safety first um, with with anything that we do. But um, I'd certainly like to ask the, the the questions as to why it's always been there, and I know the answers that I'll get. But I think a healthy challenge is what I would say. As um, when you look at the Steel Derby being, I believe it was on a Friday night, and I might have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the last couple of um, and, and and you know whether it's Saturday midday, whatever it might be. I think we've just got to we've got to challenge it in a healthy, constructive way, whilst working with the with the various SAG groups that we've got um, to ensure that that you know can we can we look to move it? Can we look to to freshen it up a little bit. Well, one for 2024. Um, I'm allowed to say that. Uh, now, um, we've spared the panel giving us their 11s for the Millwall game. Everyone will be delighted, although everyone just picks an unchanged side these days. Um, but instead, I did ask Joe, today. he's already got it in front of him, his all-time Norwich City 11 uh, that he has seen in action, and I think you said from the age of 7 through to 50. That's great. Uh, and you've thrown in some subs too. But uh, take us through your 11, because this is always a great debating point. Joe. Yeah, it's really tough actually, really, really tough um, because we've been blessed with brilliant players in every position. So you could put 10 subs pretty much for every position. Um, it's also quite, I think, it's natural to centre around a team that was particularly big in perhaps in your younger life. So for me, that was the late 80s, early 90s, and could have picked you know, pretty much the entire UEFA Cup run team. So there you go. But uh, I think uh, I've tried to mix it up a little bit. So I've gone for Gunny and Gold. Straight Legend. away a tough choice though, you know, Kevin Keelan, Chris Woods, but I've gone for Gunny, I just think his all-round presence, shot-stopping, character, impact on the rest of the team, it being my number one. Um, Centre-back's gone for Steve Bruce, uh, eye for goal, including one against Ipswich, which is probably my favourite goal Iconic. of all time in the Milk Cup, and Duncan Forbes, just wanted two leaders at the back, and two strong men up for the physical battle. And there's some great other centre-backs at the club, but um, Duncan and Steve Bruce, I think, would be a pretty strong pairing in there. You get to see Duncan play? Did, a few times. There's probably more towards the six and seven end of the stadium <laughs> than the 50, sadly. But, um, you know, I remember him. I remember the song, uh, Six Foot Two and Eyes of Blue. And, of course, uh, I've uh, been privileged to meet members of Duncan's family later on. And, um, you know, I just think he's an absolute legend of the football club. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's somebody I'd have in my team. Probably would have, his record of not ever being sent off, I think, would have been challenged in the modern game, uh, possibly, <laughs> but, um, you know, he was uncompromising. Not the only one, not the only one I'm sure. A strong guy. Um, Mark Bowen, left back, uh, you know, again, so many great left backs for the club, but... Could take a penalty. Mark, well, that's one of the skills he had, yes. Um, and, you know, he was great going forward, great, great defending as well. Russ Martin, right back. Um, wanted four leaders in my back four and I think you know Russ Russ is definitely a leader and holds the record for most Premier League appearances by a Norwich City player which isn't a, a bad record to have um, I put him at right back and not centre back which he, he might take exception with but, um, <laughs> you know for me no um, some of the best football that Russell played for us was at right back and, and I think um, he did a fantastic job there exciting player to, to have down that, that flank centre mids um, yeah, Ian Crook doesn't make my centre mid. No, I picked you up on that call, one. You know, I did. Crook, he will, will no doubt want to know why. But um, I put Jerry Goss in there um, because I think I'm thinking of Jerry in his pomp when he had his 18 months where he was on fire and at that time was one of the top three or four midfielders in this country and um, you know was scoring spectacular goals in the top flight and in Europe, which um, you know is takes some doing. So um, and he he had passion. And he, he worked his socks off for the club, came to visit the club recently when Stuart invited him to help us make a presentation to um, uh, one of the players, to uh, Tim Closer. Um, and he gave a speech off the bat, which I think Ben also witnessed, which was just really yeah, inspirational. What a man. What so man. inspirational that they've taken a quote from it and put it on the canteen wall at Colney. And, uh, you know, Jerry is a, an absolute legend uh, on and off the pitch. Martin Peters. Now, again, that was more towards the, the age seven than, <laughs> than later on. But, um, you know, Martin was one of the first players, I think, who sort of reinvented what a central midfielder or forward-thinking midfielder could do. 
you know, they talked about him ghosting in, um, which he did. Um, his reading of the game, I think, was unparalleled. Uh, he knew how to score a goal, managed managed one in a World Cup final, which isn't bad. bad and for Norwich fans of that era to have a World Cup winner as playing in your squad was fantastic. And he did us proud, and um, you know, was a superb player in there. Um, and then I've kind of gone for three wingers. Well, you know, I, not much tracking back going on. There's, there's a lot of goals in this. In this, I've done, you know, um, in the past, I've, I've sat there looking on the left hand side and thought, you know, Darren Eady, Darren Huckabee, Darren Eady, Darren Huckabee, and, and uh, whichever one of those I left out would, would no doubt have a few words for me. Um, so I put them both in. Uh, <laughs> but what I've done is I've put Darren Eady on the left. Um, really, really exciting player, Darren. Like both Darrens, really, were those edge of the seat players. And, and fans who watched them both will remember that when they got the ball, you thought, yeah, something's going to happen here. And that's a priceless commodity. Um, and another one who falls into that category is Will Fox. Um, Foxy had that low centre of gravity, blistering pace, eye for goal, big part of that 92-93 era and what they achieved there. Um, so I put Darren in the middle and he can play left, right <laughs> or centre. He can do <laughs> yeah, what he likes. Notice how um, I've nudged him slightly more left. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, um, and then the guy that's going to feed off the work that those three brilliant players are going to do is Grant Holt. Um, again, so many strikers to choose from. Um, all would love to play, I'm sure, in front of those. But, but Holty um, just had a knack for scoring all the time from every angle with whatever part of his body on the big <laughs> occasion. And um, yeah, he's my consummate number nine, I think. Three times player of the season, of course, as well. Quick rundown of the bench, which I'm sure would have been... Yeah, well. Keelan, so close with him and Gunny, but what a keeper Kevin was. Dave Stringer, uh, that Stringer-Forbes partnership was arguably one of the better centre-back partnerships in the club's history. Ian Culverhouse, just such a great, great player as sweeper as well as at right-back. Ian Crook, best passer, arguably, in the club's history. Johnny Howson. Um, Johnny was a, a fantastic guy to work with. A little bit biased because he was so helpful off the pitch as well. That does affect my <laughs> thinking a little bit. Yeah. That goal against Forrest, one of the great Carrow Road goals um, of all time. Really hard worker. Did everything he was asked to do by the club and more. Robert Fleck, legend. Wound up away fans. Quite <laughs> like that as well. And then Wes Houlihan, who, you know, can't get into a side wow. featuring Darren Eady, Darren Huckabee and Rule Fox, but... Yeah, I'd like to play all four if I could. Fair play for Hux for getting in the eleven, having um, once uh, called his own press conference. Uh, I imagine that would have yeah. been pretty offside, so well done Hux for that. <laughs> Any notable omissions? Anyone going to kick up a stink or happy Mandy? I mean, uh, you know, my favourite was always Steve Niedergaard, but he probably wouldn't make a best eleven to be fair. But <laughs> yeah, he was one of passion. Yeah, he was, absolutely. No Chris Sutton. Wow, what a choice. Jackie? Certainly got some pace in there, I think, Absolutely. in terms of Eddie Huckabee and Fox. Love it. Brilliant stuff. Well done, Joe. Enjoyed that a lot. Uh, any bones of contention out there, uh, let us know. We'll be here for the next sort of, 10 minutes or so. Uh, but it was, of course, September that this place, uh, the nest, was officially opened. And while there is plenty more work to be done, it is already a terrific achievement and facility for the CSF. I think it's only right that Louis does this bit. Off you go, son. And now declare the nest officially open. We're here today to celebrate the launch of phase one of The Nest, which is the new home for the Norwich City Community Sport Foundation. I'm a very proud trustee of the charity. We're a charity that likes to do big things, whether it's run Norwich or whether it's setting up something like The Nest. Um, and we do it because we believe that through sport we can change people's lives and The Nest will allow us to reach tens of thousands of people every year. This site we've been looking for a number of years and we looked at lots of different places to see where we could find as our, a new home that we could develop. Um, and in 2014, uh, they closed down the doors of Anglia Windows, um, and it was just a prime opportunity for us to say, actually, we can do so much here. The Nest is going to be a place for us to do all of our work, whether that is someone who's recently found out they've got cancer and they want to come to one of our kick cancer sessions, which is not just about getting physically active, it's about showing emotional support to people. Whether you're a person with a disability and you want to take part in our power chair football team, and we have a national team in the National League and they're brilliant at that or whether you're just a young person that loves sports and you want to take part in mini kickers or you're slightly older and you're a really good footballer and you want to be in our PDC which is our development team we will reach everyone's lives from 2 to 92 and we'll impact their lives not just through sport but through support and nurture and education and this will allow us to just do some amazing work. 
yeah, it's an incredible facility. Um, I'd heard about it prior to coming down, but hadn't actually seen it. And upon my arrival today, I was, I'm very, very impressed. I think it provides a fantastic facility for the, for the children um, and everyone else who gets to get some use out of it. I think the pitch is a first class um, and just seeing the little details that are going into it. I think it bodes well for everyone in Norfolk. Norfolk needs the nest, and I'm sorry to say it because it means that we're not fit enough, we're not healthy enough. Uh, a quarter of young people when they start primary school are considered overweight. That rises to a third when they start high school. For social mobility, which is an ability to sort of improve your situation, we're the second worst city in the country. Norwich needs this charity and it needs the nest and we need to build phase two. And there we go. Um, Mandy, the Canaries Trust, I'm going to give you a chance now. Um, they've been involved in fundraising for The Nest, yeah. which of course, as we just see, is, is open. Past, present and future. Has that been quite a, a thing for the Canaries Trust? I think it involved? has. I mean, I've, I've certainly put my part in there in um, dipping and running and all that sort of thing. And we definitely want to be part of that. We're not able to perhaps match fund or fund in the way that other big organisations are, but we want to absolutely lend our support to that. As I know a lot of other um, fans groups have, and I think that's one of the things we touched on earlier around the community aspect and the togetherness. You know, Diane's and, and the team at the, at the social club have, have held a number of events that have raised huge amounts of money for the for the Nest and, and, and CSF generally, which is you know absolutely amazing. And I think we have got a really good community spirit here, which perhaps compared to some other clubs, they're probably quite envious of actually. Indeed, yeah. And uh, that of course takes everyone's role in, in making that happen, doesn't absolutely. it? Um, can you give us a brief outline of what the Canaries Trust is? Because if I, if there may be people going, oh, Canaries Trust, but not what that is. So. so we're slightly different to some fans groups because we, we do have a bit of an agenda, if you like. Um, we, we want to raise funds predominantly to buy shares in the club, which we will hold for fans forever. So we would like to be a shareholder. We are a shareholder, effectively, and we want to become a bigger shareholder, which is our primary focus. But we also want to get more involved in community issues, um, initiatives like with the CSF, but also something we're... we're we've been uh, working with a club on with which is the food bank um, which is a big initiative we've um, taken some steer from other big clubs in the country who do this quite regularly and we kind of thought can we do something similar it's not been done as far as I'm aware at the club ever um, and we took a very sort of um, germ of an, germ, um, of an idea a few, uh, last year worked really hard with the food banks and with the club we've been very very supportive clearly these things take a bit of time to get put into place for various reasons and next Friday the Swansea game is our food bank collection which Fantastic. Um, so this, this really is, keen. how can people get involved in that? So predominantly it's going to be you know, bring bring along items that the food bank desire and, and would really need. They have a, a changing profile of what they, they need because they get quite a lot of donations as you can imagine. So they're, um, we've shared some information on our social media about what they're looking for um, on any of their websites. The Trussell Trust and Norwich Food Bank will be able to give you that information. Come along, pop some tins, uh, all sorts of things in their, in their box. Also potentially some money if you want to pop some money in the in a tin that would be great um, and they're going to have three collection points at the ground um, and then just before the Swansea game they'll be able to sort of gather everything up and, and start distributing it which I think for us is a really big thing because we want to you know recognise that there might be a political aspect about food banks and we shouldn't really need them but they are there for a reason and we need you know we can we can do something to help that so hopefully if it's a success which we all hope it will be it'll be something we can repeat hopefully um, every season with that's a bit of brilliant luck. so that's the head of kickoff on, for the Swansea game which is on yep. Friday week isn't yes it? that's right and I mean there's uh, no forgive me of the term I can't remember it I know Robin saying to you'll know it off the top of my head but there's a memorandum of understanding between the Canaries Trust and the, and the club which is, yeah. which is a unique thing as well, it's fairly unique I mean we were yeah. the second I think behind Fulham to, to, to do an MOU and to be fair at the time when Steve Stone was in post it it was probably something that just formalised and, and, and made something formal, which is already happening. That engagement we have with the club, um, the conversations we have around certain things, it, it happened anyway. And the MOU was just a way of making that more formal. Um, but I think since Steve's moved on and we've got the, the three we talked about earlier, that, that hasn't really changed anything. Um, we, we have a, a dialogue with the club about certain things and, and that's... To be you know, hopefully to be continued, and I don't think it will it will stop. Um, but we're we're really proud of that fact that you know as a, as a trust 
trusts across the country do very different things to each other. We're not a particularly a political trust like some would be for certain clubs. Um, our, you know, our reason for being is to sharehold basically if we can and to keep a dialogue with the club going, which we're really pleased that we can do. Fantastic. Um, other things on the horizon. Now your AGM is coming up. AGM, can, which you month. can are, we talk about? We can talk about the okay. AGM absolutely. Fourteenth okay. um, March 14th at Cowra Road. We've got a number of things going on that night. You're very kindly hosting a, <laughs> a Q and A yes, session. That's official now. That's official. I believe. Why not? Why not? Let's why do not? it. There we go. And um, it costs a cup of coffee, and I'm there. Well, you're Diane there. knows that. Yeah, there you go. And we've got Stuart Weber is also going to be with us that, that evening as well, which oh. is um, fantastic for us. So we're really grateful for him yeah, spending his time with us, which is good. So again, a similar to tonight, ask the questions, come along and, and have a conversation. Because I know the one thing we like about Stuart is that he's very um, open, he's very honest. He will, you know, give a bit of banter as well, which is quite nice. And, um, you know, and we, we like to have him with us and, and we're really pleased that he's been able to make the time to come and see us. So we really appreciate that. Fantastic. So that's March the 14th. March the 14th. Just write that in my diary. That's but follow good. our Twitter feed. I mean, Canaries Trust, we're all over the social media now quite regularly. So um, um, we'll be sharing all that information out over the Food Bank and the AGM coming up. So, that's brilliant. Yeah. So follow the Canaries Trust and the website. I think we've got a strap for that as well that the, the guys are part of too. Uh, and there's a football tournament coming up as well. Yes, yeah, Summer um, Cup. Sorry. We've, yeah, we've we're going to play that. football. Yeah. Is that here? Yes. That's exciting. That when is that? 8th of June. 8th of June? Yeah. And um, we're just finalising all the detail for that. Um, you, are you still looking for teams and people I to play? Think or? we're just about there. I, I believe we want to just um, close that off. But yeah, we're... we're I mean, I, apparently I might be playing. Fantastic. No. That's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll live coverage. Definitely. Live Pink and Show. We'll be there for Mandy's football. You're playing, aren't you, Michael? Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to stream that live. Um, brilliant stuff. Okay. Um, Hope it goes really well, Thank Mandy. You. Uh, let's have then a quick flick, shall we, onto Millwall and the run-in. We started with the football pitch. Let's end with the football pitch. Um, Joe, going to the den. Now, this is exciting, isn't it? Norwich have got, they're taking over 3,200 3, fans, both tiers of the away end, which doesn't happen very often at Millwall, because they don't tend to trust the away fans generally, <laughs> but they trust the Norwich fans, and it's going to be a cracking atmosphere, isn't it? It is. Huge game, you know, and all of the cliches about the run-in, about the Millwall game that you hear in football, I've learned um, since working in football, are, are, in, are there for a reason. They are all cup finals. They are all huge games. We can't be thinking about what might happen in six or 12 games. We've got to think about what's going to happen on Saturday against Millwall. Um, and on Saturday against Millwall, we're going to have a tough physical battle against a side that has no intention of losing at their home ground, who mm. beat us quite heavily there last year and will be looking to inflict more pain on us, I'm sure. But having 3,000 fans there um, is going to be a huge lift uh, to the players. The players are in great form. It's going to be a cracking game. I'll be there. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be something. Um, and then we should touch on these away allocations because I, I, Rotherham sold out in double quick time. Now, I'll admit, some fans have said, oh, it didn't go through the points scheme. I've, I've not been able to go and I've gone to lots of other uh, games. It did sort of catch you out how quickly that sold? Yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, you would say that uh, having sold out in four hours, um, it should have gone to points. Um, and, I, uh, and I don't think uh, it would be remiss of me not to say that. But I think there is some, there are some circumstances around that. I mean, we had two, effectively two games this season have been on points, uh, on the points scheme, and that was Brentford, and it was also Ipswich. And if you think about our allocation at Leeds, uh, it took seven days to sell out a similar number to what we've got at Rotherham, which is just over two and a half thousand. Um, now, if for the biggest game of the season, you know, quote, um, for Leeds, it took us seven days to sell out that allocation, we go on sale with Rotherham, and it sells out within four hours. So... To a certain degree, you can't pick and choose when you go on a point scheme or when you, when you can guess that it will take seven days to sell out. So we, we, want, we want to basically make sure that fans that travel get priority, obviously those that travel the most. But, uh, uh, and moving forward, I think we, we will have to consider that. Yeah. Um, what I would say is in defence to the, the hard-working team that we've got in the ticketing office, it, it's, it's a science, but it's also sometimes you can um, get it wrong. And this time, you know, based on the facts that we had around general allocations and them not selling out very, very quickly, um, we we will now move to a point scheme for Borough, and we'll see how we'll see how that goes. What I would say is the games that we've got remaining, um, we're pushing to get the maximum allocations we can. So, at Stoke, we're trying to get the three thousand because we know that our our phenomenal away support uh, is growing. Every single, every single game we've got sort of um, a high average now 
um, in terms of our away travel. So it's it's very hard for us to 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 sort of go to these clubs, Stokes, the Wiggins, and and say, look, can we have a greater allocation? But for Wigan, we've gone to Wigan and we've spoken to them. We worked hard and we we believe that we've secured nearly five thousand tickets. Wow. Um, okay. So, so, so from our perspective, when, when you refer to the yellow wall and things like that, now at Wigan, I think their average attendance um, is, is just, you know, actually in the ground, is, is, is actually below 10. So we could match, we could match wow. uh, effectively their, their home attendance. And I think, I believe that's four games from the end of the season. So we are working further out to secure the maximum allocation we can to ensure that um, the, the maximum amount of people that want to travel can travel. And I think, you know, um, I think Danny, uh, and the ticket office do a phenomenal job um, when dealing with the demand of of, uh, of allocation and fans and things like that. So yeah, we'll, we'll put we'll put Rotherham down as, as as a learning kind of curve stroke blip. But for us to sell out within four hours is phenomenal. Quite frankly, um, two and a half thousand. Yeah, two, yeah. two and a half thousand seats. Wow. Norwich fans love going to the New York Stadium. That's the thing I've learned. Is it's yeah. always, it yeah. just it seems to be what happens. Uh, there we go. Go to go to Wigan. Uh, I don't know what size. Allocation you can get at Middlesbrough because I mean they don't get that many in there, do no, they? No, but no, no. Well, so Saturday night on the five thirty kickoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from, from from our perspective, we're we go on sale with that on Monday. So, um, but it will be on a on a point scheme. We'll go forward from that point. I think Wigan we're looking to do something a little bit different, and we'll give some more information around that. Can we uh, can we help um, try and get as many fans there by potentially That's subsidising some, some tickets? Don't know. We're working on that. We're always working on initiatives where we can give something back to the loyal support that we've that we've got and we've had this season. I know that the players find it um, really inspirational walking out onto the pitch away from home when it feels like a home game mm. and they're singing and they're they're you know they're so vibrant and uh, and up for it and together. So I know it has a massive impact on the players. There's a real feel good factor. We just want to help. We're going to good at home as well. That's going to be a phenomenal occasion. Four games to the end of the season. Can't even think about it. Um, Jackie, Mandy, how are you feeling about the running going in? Excited? Um, I'm excited for the weekend, actually. Not only, obviously, we've got our game, but our Down Syndrome team are actually playing against Millwall before. So we're, we're taking our Down Syndrome team. They're going to play. And then there's going to be a parade at half-time. So I really hope that all those fans that are coming down, all our home supporters, are going to give them a massive cheer as well. That's fantastic. Um, That'll be a great opportunity for them to, to see Norwich play away and hopefully another win. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, touch wood, well done. So when's that game on? Is it half-time before kick-off? Is uh, it before or? kick-off, just very close to the stadium in one of their facilities and, and then they'll be there to watch the game and at half-time parading. So. Oh, fantastic. Good luck. So so it's their, their community day as well. Yeah. So uh, it's great that they've invited us down to take part in that. That's a brilliant, good occasion. Well done, Millwall, sorting that out as well. Mandy? I love watching the DS games. It's almost as good as watching Norwich home games. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm quite chilled about everything now. Are you totally relaxed? Oh yeah, absolutely. Everyone's it's totally all, relaxed. It seems like, every, well, as we said earlier, everyone's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's fine. No, I think we're going to have a hard. We're going to have some hard games. Of course, we are. It's that type of league, and 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 if we're not playing teams that are up there, we're playing teams that need points further down the table for various things. So, nothing is guaranteed in football, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and undoubtedly, knowing how the Norwich way can be, it will be a little bit of a roller coaster, probably, which is why we're all football fans. I won't talk about some of the planning we've had to do over recent weeks, but Joe, how how busy are you envisaging <laughs> the next few weeks being? Really busy because. Um, the, the national media is extremely interested in us now, which is normally a good sign if slightly nerve-wracking, because obviously <laughs> it means they're in town because they sense that we're one of the clubs that has a real chance. Um, so we are you know, speaking to nationals that, that want to come down and speak to Daniel and compare him to Jurgen Klopp and all the other new angles that they, um, they've uh, um, suddenly occurred to them. Yeah. But generally, we really, really welcome it. It's great to, to sort of creep back onto the radar again. Um, but it does keep us on our toes. It's busy. People want to speak not only to our players and the manager, they want to speak to Ben, they want to speak to Stuart, they want to speak to Zoe, they want to speak to everybody. Um, and that exposure is great for the club and its partners. So, uh, yeah, it's busy, but it's nice busy, as I said at the beginning. Yeah, it certainly is brilliant. Just don't let um, football focus and Mark Clement in because normally te teams lose after they visit. <laughs> uh, Bristol City found that one out at the weekend. Um, last word for you, Ben. I'm not going to ask anyone for predictions or key men. Uh, don't worry about that. But uh, one last thing, you know, going into the running for Norwich fans, you know, 
you can do a rallying speech for everyone. But I mean, this is these moments don't come along very often. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, they don't. And we should enjoy them first and foremost, is what I would say. Um, there'll be ups and downs, but we should definitely enjoy them. No, for me, and I think on behalf of Stuart and Zoe as well, and, and the board, I think it's a thank you. Um, it's a thank you to the fans that have uh, embraced this, uh, this change of management of the club. Uh, at the at the senior sort of level, I'd like to thank the the staff. I'd like to thank the fans. Like I said, I'd like to thank anyone that's involved in the football club that's making it a really enjoyable place to work. Um, you know, the city comes alive. If I'm honest, on match days, and I love that. Uh, it's a great place to be, um, and you just you feel the energy, the positive energy. There's there's a real tangible feeling around the place, and that can only move us forward. But We'll have ups, we'll have downs, but I think you know that togetherness that we've now got at the club, um, fans, staff, partners, sponsors, whatever it might be, um, there's, there's a real unity. And I think if that can carry us through, what a phenomenal sort of season we'll have, regardless of the outcome. I think this will be a memorable one for all the right reasons. Richie Temple sent a message on Facebook. In nearly 40 years of going to Carroll Road, I can say there has never been a togetherness between board, manager, team and fans like this season. Exciting how far we can go. Good work. And that from a Norwich City fan. On that, we are done for this week's Pink and Show special, live from the nest. Now remember, you can catch up with tonight's show and all our superb Norwich City coverage on all our platforms, including the Pink and app. But first and foremost pinken.com. I will be at the Den on Saturday as usual alongside Paddy Davitt and David Freezer and producer Tony and 3,200 Norwich City fans. So uh, check out our big build-up team news live and behind-the-scenes coverage reaction and analysis and if you see any of us around why not say hello. Uh, next week we are back at the Departure Lounge on Prince of Wales Road live on Wednesday at 6pm and as always you are more than welcome to come and join us either in the flesh or or online. But for now, uh, a big thank you to our guests tonight. What a fantastic panel. Thank you so much, everyone. You. To Jackie, to Joe, to Ben, and to Mandy. Hope you all enjoyed it. To say the comments is fine. Uh, to the Canaries <laughs> Trust. They're all hungry. They want to go home for dinner. Um, to the Canaries Trust and The Nest for making tonight happen. We really appreciate it. Uh, to the crew, that's producer Tony and cameraman Dan, who had me um, sweating for a bit in the first 10 minutes, but we got there in the end. And of course, to you guys and girls for getting involved, sending all your comments and questions in. I'm so sorry I couldn't get through any of them, but as you can appreciate, it's been quite a busy night. Uh, until next time, here's to City taming the lion's den and making it gulp just 11 steps to the promised land. Good night. <laughs>